Welcome back to No Bias, Just Science. This is Minnie, back for episode 6. This week's episode is about music therapy. As you know, there are lots of methods of therapy out there. There's cognitive behavior therapy, art therapy, my personal favorite, animal therapy, but there's also music therapy. Music therapy is, as the name suggests, a type of therapy that involves using music to help treat people. Music can be used for many situations, such as for behavioral therapy or even just mood lifting. As this is a podcast about cognition, however, this episode will be about the effect of music therapy on cognitive functioning. Now, before we get more into music therapy, let's talk about our word of the day. The word is neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is a process that the brain frequently goes through in order to enhance functioning. Basically, what happens is that the brain reorganizes itself by forming new connections and severing old ones. This could happen when we're learning a new skill. Say, for example, you're learning to play piano. Over time, the connections in your brain will reform so that the areas that help you to play the piano are strengthened. Neuroplasticity happens most during development, but it continues to occur even in adulthood. So neuroplasticity is very important in my explanation of music therapy. A very large part of why music therapy is so effective is because it causes the brain to reorganize itself to work better. In a paper titled Music, Brain Plasticity, and the Resilience, the Pillars of New Receptive Therapy by Helena Dukic, it is said that studies have shown that music training can have an effect on neuroplasticity or brain plasticity. When researchers compared the brains of musicians against non-musicians, they found that there were structural differences in their brains. A way to identify this is by comparing the amount of gray matter volume in the inferior frontal gyrus, or IFG, which has been shown to be activated in response to musical activities. Gray matter is important because it controls many sensory and muscular activities. It's also myelinated, or sheathed, in protective tissue that helps speed impulses along the axon. This allows for quick processing of information. It was found that musicians have a greater volume of gray matter in the IFG, improving brain function in that area. The duration of their training also has an impact on the amount of brain plasticity that occurs. The longer you train, the more changes your brain goes through. Now, there are two reasons why neuroplasticity works as it does with the music therapy. The first is that musical rhythm can entrain or cause certain behaviors or functions to become synchronized. In simpler terms, introducing music along with the behavior that the therapist wants, such as movement or vocalization, can cause simultaneous firing of the desired neurons or the formation of new connections. This is because rhythm provides a basis or a template for motor movements in cases where there is no internal timing system. The second reason is that music in general causes the release of the neurotransmitters dopamine and serotonin, and also the hormone oxytocin. Dopamine and serotonin are responsible for the reward system, which is something we talked about in previous episodes. The reward system is involved with motivation and positive emotions, and dopamine in particular has been shown to be involved in remapping of the brain and 
it has an important role in brain plasticity. In music, reward prediction creates an increase in the amount of dopamine release. Now, usually when we expect something good, like a present, we become happy. But when we receive something good unexpectedly, the level of happiness we feel increases. This is called the implication realization model in regard to music. When we listen to music, there's a certain pattern that we expect to hear, such as a drop in the pitch. It was found that the longer the music takes to get to this expected pattern, the stronger the dopamine response is, and the more pleasurable it is for the listener when we finally get to that expected pattern. As for serotonin, it's a neurotransmitter that seems to be involved in mood, anxiety, cognition, and so on. It can contribute to feeling happy, just like dopamine. Um, studies have found that when people listen to pleasurable music, there was an increase in serotonin levels as compared to when they listened to what was considered unpleasant music. The criteria for, for pleasurable music was just that the pitch was in a range that most people liked listening to, and the tempo and the rhythm followed expected patterns, just like we talked about earlier. Oxytocin studies have shown pretty much the same thing. Oxytocin is a hormone that causes feelings of love and bonding, as I'm sure many of you have heard before. It also helps to regulate stress and anxiety in relation to interactions with other people. A study was done on people who had heart surgery done. Half of them were asked to listen to music that had previously been described as pleasant and soothing when they were sleeping. It was found that levels of oxytocin increased significantly in patients who listened to music as compared to patients who didn't, suggesting that music has a calming and positive effect on people. So knowing the effects of music on people and why these effects occur, researchers went on to try using music therapy on people with more complicated problems, such as schizophrenia. One such study was explained in an article called the effects of music intervention on functional cognitivity strength of the brain in schizophrenia by Mi Yang et al. They tested the effects that music intervention had on schizophrenic patients and found that patients who listened to music for one month had increased functional connectivity, which is referring to the connections made in the brain. They also showed that the changes in the functional connectivity could lead to decreased symptoms of schizophrenia. Other studies were done to observe music effects on aphasia, which is the loss of the ability to speak or to understand speech in various forms. It was reviewed in the article, The Role of Music Therapy and Rehabilitation, Improving Aphasia and Beyond, by Simona Leonardi et al. Aphasia can develop slowly due to something like cancer or suddenly due to a head injury or a stroke. Once the underlying cause is addressed, the patients go through speech therapy. Some researchers tested the effect that singing could have on patients and found that singing had a positive effect because it aided speech at the motor and word retrieval levels. It's also important to note that having patients play music, such as like on the piano, can cause neuroplasticity to occur in the motor system. This is crucial because speech does not only require processing in the brain, but also requires motor skills so that we can actually produce those words. Developing musical skills can potentially form or even strengthen connections between the motor system and acoustic areas. So overall, many studies have shown that music therapy can have a very positive effect on patients with various disorders. 
taking the time to study the effects of music more and identify the brain regions that are actually involved in music can probably help to improve the therapeutic methods that we have now. If you liked this podcast and want to hear more, please hit the follow button. Thanks for joining me today and learning about the cognitive neuroscience behind music therapy. Remember, keep learning, keep reading, no bias, just science.